You're listening to Women Making Waves. So next up, we have Helena Trenkic. She's a student at Homerton College and she's part of the National Council of Women that makes sure that women's issues are on the agenda. But she also has a, a special interest in sex education and relationship education. And she wants to make sure that that is handled properly in the schools so that it decreases the amount of gender-based violence. And at 22, that is quite impressive, isn't it? To be so involved and so interested in that. And she is doing all the right things, isn't she? Oh, she really is. So let's listen now to Lindeness talking to Helena Trenkic. Every night I went to the UK mission and basically just told the Government Equalities Office, I've learnt this today, what do we think about this? Can we do this in the UK? I'm joined by Helena Trenkic, who is one very busy woman. Not only is she in her second year as a history undergraduate at Homerton College in Cambridge, she is president of UNICEF on campus Cambridge and is one of the leaders of the 18 plus team on the National Council of Women of Great Britain. Helena proposed a resolution at October's conference of the National Council of Women calling on the government to introduce comprehensive relationships and sex education as this has the potential to decrease gender-based violence. Helena, thank you very much for coming in to talk to us. Firstly, tell me about your involvement with the National Council of Women. So when I was in sixth form, I was one of the people running the feminist society there. And this was linked to this organisation called the National Council of Women. And NCW, as I'm going to call it, was first formed in 1895. So it's been around for ages with Millicent Fawcett, one of the first members. And one of the things it's doing now is developing a network of National Council of Young Women, which are these feminist societies in schools, which it helps to support. And we go to these seminars that they help us put on and they provide us with information and generally stuff like that. So when I was running this feminist society, I began to get into contact with them and saw that it was an organisation which, after I left school, I wanted to get involved in to make sure that I didn't lose my voice. So when I was 17, I first approached them about this, and after I left school, I started making leaflets for them to go to other schools. I started to get involved in their policy side, as one of the things they do, as you said, is pass resolutions at the annual conference to put to the government to try and enact a change in legislation. So I started to get really involved in that. It's all started getting a bit crazy when um, I first went to the Women's Commonwealth Forum, um, which was part of the Commonwealth Heads of Government meetings in London in April of 2018. So I went there on their behalf and um, went with the kind of list of resolutions which had been passed, aiming to push for all of those to appear in the outcome document and also just to learn. And it was a fantastic experience. I met some amazing people. And then I thought, this is this is incredible. I want to do more. So I passed my own resolution, which yeah, was about comprehensive sexuality education in the UK. What did that entail? That entailed standing up at the conference in October, yeah. did it? And well, uh... I actually did it by video link because I was at university <laughs> and I just didn't 
have the time to go. It was in Newcastle that year, so it's a bit far from here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I researched it. I researched the impact of it. I researched what the government's plans are. I wrote the draft of it and I had to give a speech on it, which is what I did by video, which was great because I had a shirt on top and pyjamas on the bottom. And no, <laughs> one, no one was any wiser. <laughs> so funny. So that was funny. And yeah, so that got, that got passed. And then I took that as my driving force when I went to New York to um, the UN's huge conference every year on women, the Commission on the Status of Women. And I was just badgering everyone about that whilst I was there. <laughs> so it's been amazing. That the first thing I was doing was being in my school feminist society, making leaflets. And now they've given me the opportunity to go to these amazing things in New York, meet the UK Government Equalities Office every night at the UK Mission and ask people at all these different panel events that were on, what do you think about this? What can we do about this? And just learn so much. So this isn't just sitting in your bedroom kind of writing about stuff. This is actually getting out there and speaking to the people who matter, really, through the National Council of Women. They're quite a heavyweight um, organisation, really, aren't they? Well, the more I stay there and learn more and get more involved, the more I realise how much they've kind of been involved through history. So I actually found out recently that Cambridge's first female mayor and Cambridge's second female mayor were in the National Council of Women. Oh, really? The second one was actually the president. And, that you know, I didn't know that when I first joined, but I felt like, wow, that's amazing. They're in the same thing. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. And obviously they, um, they've had a bit of trouble with retaining the middle age of women so kind of like 40s women who are working women who have children so a lot of it is older and then a really young one but what that does mean is that they have these intergenerational seminars so you have young people and old people working together discussing so I think that's a really important thing. If young people are listening and they're thinking that's something that I'd quite like to do I'd really like to become involved with this how would they go about that? Well, if they wanted to get involved with National Council of Women in particular, find us on the website, send the email an email, registering your interest. But if it's more getting involved in activism in general, then there's a lot that you can do. So first of all, just researching it, reading the government position, looking for public consultations where they are actively looking for your voice and, you know, researching local organisations, researching national ones. It's amazing how many opportunities there are. One thing is obviously money. As young people, we don't have a lot. When I was first told, you can go to this conference in New York, I thought, oh, amazing. I don't have the money for that. (laughs) But I wrote to my college, Homerton College, and I costed it and I told them what it was and they gave me a grant for it. And when I was there, I met loads of people who'd been funded by their local council, by their work, who'd crowdfunded. You know, there were so many ways. And obviously there's a financial barrier, but you you can overcome it. So I'd say to other young people getting involved just to find what really drives you. Find one particular thing because you're not going to be able to solve everything. No. You can more effectively use your energy on one thing. Which is what you've done, really. Which is what I've done. That irritates yeah. you or that you yeah. think could be done better. Yeah, and I'm there for everything else. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm there and I'm interested in everything else. There's this one little thing which I'm going to focus my attention on. So I'd say to young people, find that fire that drives you and just, you know, write to people and be annoying and use your voice and also just try not to let money matters get in the way too much. 
just ask for funding from wherever you can because you never know, they might just say yes. When you were attending the UN conference, because that's a big deal really, yeah. what, what did you actually do there? The UN conference is between kind of, you know, the government representatives that come and civil society and the government representatives all decide an agreed set of conclusions. But civil society is there to educate them on certain issues, to lobby them on what they think is important and to work together and to form their own kind of coalitions and and stuff like that. So when I went for my resolution... I went to loads of side events that civil society and government representatives put on to ask questions and to learn and to network with other people and form groups. So I met loads of other people who had the same interests. And then every night I went to the UK mission and basically just told the government equalities office, I've learned this today. What do we think about this? Can we do this in the UK? So, for example, a session on... Americas, when we teach young girls about, you know, sex education stuff, we have to teach them how to report sexual harassment. And these are the ways we do it in America. And I went back to the UK mission. I said, so this session had loads of emphasis on teaching people how to report. Can we put that in the UK guidance? And Charles, who was leading the GEO uh, meetings, said, hmm. I'll take that away with me. Yeah. That, that I was like, that's the best you got, you know, but that was a small success. So that's what I did. But that's great, isn't it, for learning and sharing ideas mm. and then getting them back to the people who can actually do something about it. Yes, it actually makes you feel productive because so many conferences is just people meeting like-minded people talking about things that they already know and it's great to chat but that doesn't change that much. Yes. So I really was making a concerted effort to be as annoying as possible. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's great. The topic that you're interested in here, yep. the, the motion that you've raised, sex education in schools tends to, to make people horrified. You know, it raises <laughs> nightmares for parents who think yeah. that their children are going to be told things far too young, far too early. But from September 2020, yeah. relationship and sex education is going to become compulsory, isn't it, in secondary schools? It will be compulsory, but the parents can have a right to withdraw, as in the parents have a right to withdraw up until two terms before the child is 16, and then the child is asked. And if they say yes, they have to have it. And if they say no... They don't, but the parent, you know, the parents are brought in to the head teacher's office, and it's recommended anyway by the government that they are talked to and asked about their decision, and told, okay, in that case, this is what you should be teaching them, mm -hmm. in a bid to try and make sure it is taught to everyone. But the other thing is that this is only for state schools that a lot of the legislation has been passed. There have been people such as Baroness Watkins, who I met in New York, who have stood up in the House of Laws and said, this needs to be in private schools as well. And what about homeschool students? There may be a small proportion, but that proportion is increasing. And I think it's just as important to to get it there as well. Do you have any concerns about the way that the legislation is currently being deployed? I think that one concern is that the government did a public consultation for it and used that to inform what was going to be in it. However, only 2% of the people that responded were young people. So young people were a tiny proportion mm. of the, those that responded. And actually, that's, that's concerning to me because young people are the ones that are going to be taught it. And 
people like me who just came out of school and are now in the real world. I mean, university, not quite that, but it is, you know, you are having these real relationships with people without your parents there. And we're the ones that know what we should have been taught or what we think we should have been taught. What do you think was missing from your sex education at school then? So my sex education at school was was pretty good. I think I was quite surprised actually. Um, I went to a state school in Nottingham and it was pretty good. We did talk about a lot of different types of relationships and how to recognise negative relationships. However, there wasn't, say, enough emphasis on recognising abuse which wasn't physical. There wasn't stuff about more emotional abuse and other forms of abuse which aren't recognised. And for instance, in the proposals for the new guidance, even stuff like financial abuse, kind of withholding money and stuff like that, that isn't on the criteria. Mm -hmm. Then for things like FGM and child marriage, we had one lesson. And Do you think that's because it doesn't so much affect this country. I know there's well, a minority in this country it, that are affected. I think it, it does. It does still affect this country. I mean, we've just seen also with um, kind of breast binding, there was that um, study on that that's far more prevalent than we thought. And yet, you know, I didn't have any lessons on that. No. But also, this generation is going to grow up to be the next lawmakers, politicians, say we're going to go to the UN, we're going to go to these things. We need to know what those things are in order to try and prevent them, not only in our country, but in the world, mm -hmm. everywhere, we need to kind of break down the motivations behind that and try and stop more people being subjected to them. And we need to know what they are in order to be able to do that. That's true. You're a second year student at Cambridge and you're studying history. Yes. <laughs> and you also have a fascinating blog um, <laughs> called This Gal Says... Yes. <laughs> which I recommend people to, to look up. I particularly enjoyed your blog, A Week in the Life of a Cambridge Student, because it describes what it's like to be a student at Cambridge, well, I suppose at any university to an extent, but Cambridge in particular, because that's where you are. I find just reading about it completely exhausting. I mean, it's, you, you do a lot of studying, a lot of time in the library and a, a heck of a lot of work really don't you yeah well that was really my attempt to try and contribute to breaking down the big walls that surround the Cambridge experience uh -huh. that yeah. put off so many people from applying and the Sutton Trust I read did a did a study where they asked about secondary school teachers in state schools and I think it was something like half of them it was around half I can't remember the exact statistic either said that they didn't encourage students or actively discourage students from applying because they didn't think it was right for them and I think that's a terrible waste of potential so I was just trying to contribute something to breaking down what Cambridge is like yeah. there is no one experience but that was mine and I think it's pretty normal you know there's no kind of Bullingdon Club debauchery going on in my normal week that you know and it is really what you make of it so that was my two cents. And are you enjoying writing that blog because I think it's fascinating I really would recommend that people try and find it this girl says because it really is a good thank read. You. You're good at writing. Thank you I, I love writing I wanted to be a journalist when I was younger. Once you've graduated what yes. do you see yourself doing are you interested in getting into the sort of feminist side that you've been involved with or, mm -hmm. or something else? Well, I love learning. I love learning. So first of all, I think definitely a master's. I'm not going into the world of work just yet. I really want to research more. I've really enjoyed the independent research I've done whilst here. But don't ask me what in because I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and then after that, 
I really would like to go into something to do with policy. I've looked at the civil service. I've looked at as difficult it is, the UN. And yeah, I'd love to do something where I, I can change the world in that way. Obviously, gender equality is something I'm so, so passionate about. So definitely that. However, I was recently talking to a friend and we decided that if we don't make good progress in tackling climate change, we're both having a career change <laughs> to go into that instead. Yes, that is a really big topic at the moment, isn't yeah. it? And we do need to make changes, don't we? Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it was it was great when I was in New York for the conference. I took the last day off from the conference to go to the New York's part of the global climate strike. I met the 14-year-old Greta Thunberg of New York. Oh, really? Um, and I was there with loads of young people. It was amazing. It was yeah. It was a really kind of powerful, powerful thing, so... Well, I could sit chatting to you all day. It's really, really interesting. But thank you very much, Helena Trenchik, for joining us. And that was Helena Trenchik talking to Linda Ness.